It's Wednesday, December the 2nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by Raytheon Technologies. Coming up, Barr's fruitless fraud hunt and America's COVID-19 stimulus proposal. First, the world in brief. William Barr, Donald Trump's attorney general, admitted he had found no evidence of mass fraud in America's presidential election. He had been given dispensation by the president to search for it. Meanwhile, a top Republican election official in Georgia pleaded with Mr. Trump to stop making unfounded allegations about the legality of the state's vote for fear of stoking violence. Separately, Joe DeGeneva, an attorney for the Trump campaign, called for Chris Krebs, formerly the top election security official with the Department of Homeland Security, to be taken out and shot. Mr. Krebs, a Republican, was fired for saying there was no fraud. A bipartisan group of American lawmakers unveiled a $908 billion COVID-19 relief bill to provide emergency aid to the unemployed, small businesses and airlines until March. Its introduction follows months of congressional deadlock. The bill must be approved by the Trump administration and leaders in the House and Senate. President-elect Joe Biden wants a stimulus bill passed before his inauguration on January 20th. A court ruled that children under 16 in England and Wales must prove they are mature enough to access puberty blockers, which can damage their fertility and sexual function as adults. The case was brought by Kira Bell, a 23-year-old woman who was given such drugs by the Tavistock Clinic in London when she was a teenager who identified as a boy. After taking hormone treatments, she later began to detransition. The United Nations Development Programme faces corruption allegations linked to the Global Environment Facility, a multi-billion dollar organisation dedicated to tackling environmental issues. The GEF has financed $7 billion worth of UNDP projects. An internal audit of this portfolio found signs of fraudulent activities, according to the Financial Times. The UNDP said it takes such allegations seriously. Russia deployed new advanced S-300 V-4 missiles on disputed Kuril Islands in the Western Pacific. Japan also claims sovereignty over the islands, which it calls its North Territories. The mobile air defence system is meant to counter ballistic and aerial attacks. The dispute goes back to the Second World War, when Russia seized the islands in the wake of Japan's surrender. Iran's parliament approved plans to increase levels of uranium enrichment, closer to the level needed to produce nuclear weapons. The move, seen as a response to last week's assassination of Mohsen Fakhrista, Iran's leading nuclear scientist, directly contravenes the nuclear accord signed by Iran in 2015. But Iran's government, the foreign ministry and atomic energy organisation immediately disavowed their parliament's decision. South Korea's parliament passed a bill that will allow the seven members of BTS, the world's most successful K-pop group, to postpone their mandatory military service. Entertainers recommended by the culture minister can defer their service to age 30. It is 28 for ordinary citizens. The amendment comes three days before the eldest member's 28th birthday. And editor's note. Yesterday's edition of Espresso featured news about the tie-up between S&P Global and IHS Market. Although it's a big deal, we didn't mean to mention it twice. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. New Slate Biden's Economic Team President-elect Joe Biden's effort to revive America's economy began on Tuesday with the introduction of senior members of his economic team. Janet Yellen, who led Bill Clinton's Council of Economic Advisers and served as Federal Reserve Chair from 2014 to 2018, was tapped to run the Treasury, the first woman ever to do so. 
Her steady demeanour and extensive experience will help the effort to ply the economy with more stimulus. Cecilia Rouse, an expert on the economics of education, will lead Mr Biden's CEA, which also includes Jared Bernstein and Heather Boucher, whose past work emphasises the contribution of a strong working class and generous family benefits to economic growth. Brian Dees, named to lead the National Economic Council, worked on climate issues as an advisor to Barack Obama. Mr Biden's choices suggest a desire to prioritise worker welfare and climate change during his first term, but a COVID-battered economy looms as a formidable initial obstacle. Awaiting Sentencing Hong Kong's Activists Hong Kong pro-democracy activists are expected to be sentenced today for their involvement in protests that swept the territory in 2019. Joshua Wong, a face of Hong Kong's democracy movement, could spend up to three years in jail for organising and inciting an unauthorised assembly last year. He has been held in solitary confinement for the past week after pleading guilty to the charges. Two of his long-time colleagues, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam, are also likely to be sentenced. After enormous anti-government protests erupted last year, China's Communist Party cracked down hard, imposing a draconian national security law on Hong Kong in June, which even allows people to be sent to mainland China to stand trial. Mr Wong and his colleagues are being sentenced under local laws. But some of their supporters fear it is just a matter of time before they are charged under the national security law with its harsher sentences. Go Fish The WTO tries to save the oceans. Negotiators at the World Trade Organization in Geneva should, this week, finalise a two-decade attempt to reach consensus on curbing government subsidies that encourage unsustainable fishing. If they manage it, it will be one of the best hopes for conserving fish stocks and the marine environment. Currently, roughly $22 billion of subsidies a year, mostly for fuel, are estimated to go towards fishing that harms global stocks. A lot of that money finds its way to illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing that accounts for a staggering 20-50% of the global catch. Delegates are working on a text and a postponed deadline is looming at the end of the year to meet one of the UN's sustainable development goals. But huge differences of opinion remain, for example over possible exemptions for world's poorer countries, and deadlines have been missed before. The fear is that talks will drag on, or produce an agreement riddled with loopholes. Bar fight. England comes out of lockdown. England's national lockdown ends today. The month-long shutdown was unpopular with many members of the ruling Conservative Party, and the new proposed system of regional restrictions is proving no more palatable. More than 50 Tory MPs voted against the measures on Tuesday, the biggest internal rebellion since Boris Johnson's election victory last December. Under the three-tier system, pubs may pour drinks in some areas if they also serve substantial meals. Others will remain shut during the normally lucrative Christmas break. Some sports stadiums will also open. Tory rebels argued the government has not proved the measure's effectiveness. Several say their constituencies have been put into unnecessarily strict tiers. Mr Johnson says he understands their pain, but urges patience until a vaccine is distributed, or else face another wave of infections in the new year. We must hold our nerve until these vaccines are indeed in our grasp, and indeed being injected into our arms, he said. Injection of Hope Britain approves a COVID-19 vaccine 
Britain's health regulator is believed to be about to give emergency authorization to a COVID-19 vaccine made by Pfizer, an American pharmaceutical giant, and BioNTech, a smaller German firm. It will be the world's first authorization of a fully tested vaccine for the virus. Trials have shown that it has an efficacy of 95%. Britain has ordered 40 million doses. The first batches will arrive this year, and hospitals have been told to be ready to distribute the vaccine as soon as December 7th. Britain has moved remarkably quickly thanks to rolling reviews that have been underway for some time. The move may fuel concern that Britain's rapid movement is political, or an example of regulatory nationalism, an effort to jump ahead of the queue for deliveries. But one brutal calculation may have been foremost in regulators' minds. Each day of waiting is measured in lost lives. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Robertson Davies, who died on this day in 1995. Thought and reason, unless matched by feelings, are empty, delusive things. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Music